this is G Truth, and I'm gonna start it off the show like always, or the podcast like always, by saying what type of band or music that I've been listening to for this past week, and that would be Fountains of Wayne, especially their album Welcome Interstate Managers, and I've been listening to what one, two, three, four, five, six songs within the album that I really really like. So the first being Mexican Wine, that is my favorite one. And then Stacy's Mom is a close second one. And then Hackensack was pretty good. All Kinds of Time, Hey Julie, and Super Collider. I really like all those songs. And I want to check out the other albums that they've made. But I think that's a pretty good start. We just had, in Boston, our first snowfall. I put air quotes for a reason. On Tuesday. And the reason why I put air quotes around snowfall is because it was like the kind of snow that's there. But it melts as soon as it gets to the ground. Granted, it was not freezing, but even then, it kind of just melted as soon as it hit the ground, or in the air even. And it was raining too, so it was kind of snow, but not really. It was like someone got some whipped cream and just kind of just blew it and just let it fall, over, fall all over the place. But overall, it's been a pretty good week. But I did not record on Tuesday for two reasons. One, I was insanely tired. I had just finished a paper that I was staying up for on Monday night. Now, yes, I should have done a lot better job with that. I should have, you know, gone ahead on it and worked on it earlier. That way I can actually plan out for my Tuesday episode that ended up going on up on Wednesday. But the second reason also was that there were not really many stories circulating or going on or that I could think of right away uh, to plan out topics for my podcast. And I don't really want to follow these stories that air on TV because it's the same thing for every single show. It's repetitive and granted it's the same thing every single day. Undisputed Cowboys LeBron. Same thing for Colin Coward's The Herd Show. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Lakers, Clippers, something of that sort. Not things that are very creative or brand new. They don't really look at, you know, the Celtics or the Suns or the Raptors. They don't look at those teams. They look at the big market teams. And I like to look at, you know, everything that's going on. So I think that I, even though I'm not doing that so much this week, I'm going to do that a lot more going ahead. And I did think about some things that I want to do going forward, especially very interesting film analysis that I'm going to have two, three weeks from now. I think it should be really, really good. And if I do it correctly. And also I'm going to try to do a bit more of NBA analysis. So I have an idea with that of like the best team in the first quarter, look at their first couple plays and analyze what's going on there. Uh, kind of just draw out what's going on and the good reads that they do. Probably, sorry for the voice crap. Uh, voice crap. See the good plays that they do, especially since they're probably a good first quarter team I don't know one that comes right off the top of my head but still I think that that should be really, really interesting and I'm looking forward to it I'm not gonna do that today but probably next week I'm gonna start trying to do that so the talks I have for today are Alabama and the college football playoffs and my NFL power rankings after week 10 going into week 11 of NFL football as well as some games that are must-watch for this weekend. So, for the first topic, Alabama. Alabama was ranked 5th according to the CFP playoff rankings. Uh, 
I know that's redundant, CF CFP playoffs. That's a bit redundant, a bit redundant, but they were ranked fifth. Now, I believe that they still have a good shot at making the playoffs. There are only eight real contenders, and those are the top eight. So that would be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Utah, and Minnesota. So let's eliminate possible contenders or eliminate possible teams from those eight. In Alabama's worst-case scenario, which those teams win, and Alabama, even though the worst case would be that Alabama loses out, that's probably not going to happen at all. They're probably going to win out, actually. So let's look at the scenario where they win out, and let's see the worst-case scenario from that. So let's look at Oregon and Utah first. They'll probably play each other in the Pac-12 championship, even if both teams do not win out, especially Oregon does not have to win out in order to play Utah in the Pac-12 championship. So only one of those teams, if they play each other in the Pac-12 championship, will have an actual shot of making the college football playoffs. Same thing goes for Ohio State and Minnesota. Even if they don't win out, they will probably play each other in the Big Ten championship. Even if they lose, in Ohio State's case, to Penn State and Michigan, and in Minnesota's case, Iowa and Wisconsin, even though they both should win out completely, they'll face each other in the Big, Tw in the Big Ten championship. And again, only one of those teams will make it to the college football playoffs. Or, well, can make it to the college football playoffs. And then after that comes LSU. LSU should win out their remaining, their remaining games. And in the SEC championship should play either Georgia or Florida. If they play Florida, that means that Georgia lost to Auburn, Texas A&M, or Georgetown, which would essentially put Georgia out of the whole CFP race and if they do play Georgia LSU probably is going to win and therefore eliminate Georgia completely especially after Georgia lost to Southern Cali Carolina right Southern Carolina Gamecocks I think I think that's what it was South Carolina Gamecocks and then Clemson is pretty much a lock even though their schedule was insanely weak they're pretty much a lock and they're most likely going to go undefeated this year and win the ACC championship pretty easily. So with Georgia either losing to LSU in the SEC championship or to one of their teams that are that is in their upcoming schedule, Auburn, Texas A&M, Texas or Georgetown, Georgia's out of the race completely. And then Oregon and Utah will face each other in the Pac-12 championship, so they'll eliminate one of them from contention. Same with Ohio State and Minnesota in the Big Ten championship. So the final rankings in no specific order, should be this. LSU, Clemson, third, Oregon or Utah, fourth, Ohio State, and Ohio State or Minnesota, and then at five, Alabama. Now the question becomes, what can happen for Alabama to sneak into one of those spots that's not one and two, but instead three and four, where Oregon or Utah or Ohio State and Minnesota could be and the first thing that they could do is just do their part and win out they gotta stay competitive make it entertaining have blowouts they cannot leave any doubt that they are a good team that just lost to the, to the number one ranked team and then lsu and then secondly they need lsu to stay undefeated if 
their only loss is to an undefeated LSU team that is taking college football by storm. That one loss does not look as bad as, say, Oregon's loss to potentially Utah as well as Auburn. Or Georgia's loss to potentially LSU and the South Carolina Gamecocks, like I mentioned before. And then, and then the third thing is a bit more luck-oriented. They need Oregon to lose one of their season games and then beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Or they need Minnesota or, or Ohio State to lose one of their season games and then beat the other team in the championship game. Why am I saying it in that order? For example, Oregon losing a seasonal game and then beating Utah in the Pac-12 championship? Well, suppose that Oregon somehow loses to Ohio State. No, somehow loses to Arizona State, not Ohio State. Arizona State University or Arizona. They'll drop from where they're ranked at number 6 right now to number 15 or something around that uh, rank. Utah would slide up in the rankings to probably 6th if Oregon were to slide down that by that much because Oregon's currently at number 6, Utah's at number 7. So if Utah wins that week or wins out from there, they'll probably slide into number 6. So that means the Pac-12 championship will be potentially a number 6 seed, or not seed, ranked, number 6 ranked, that's the correct terminology, number 6 ranked Utah team against a number 15 ranked Oregon team in a Pac-12 championship, and then if that number 15 ranked Oregon team would win, they'll even out the rankings at number 8, number 9, probably Oregon at number 8, and Utah at number 9, opening the door for uh, for Alabama to make it into the playoffs. So overall, Alabama still does have a good shot at making the playoffs, especially if they went out in entertaining fashion and with a bit of and with a little bit of luck on their side. But ultimately, their faith lies in the hands of the Pac-12, who hasn't had a team make the playoffs since 2017 in Washington, and as well as the Big Ten, and just a bit in LSU, who needs to win out for Alabama to even have a chance at making the playoffs. Now moving on, I do have my NFL power rankings. Last week, they were... Bills, Cowboys, Texans, Packers, Seahawks, Chiefs, Ravens, Patriots, Niners, and Saints. Now this week, yes, there was some movement. A good amount of movement, too. A good, a good amount of teams were dropped back, and the teams that were already higher ranked up just moved ahead. So let's start off with this. The Cowboys, I dropped from 9th to 10th. Yes, I could have gone all the way and moved them all the way off, and put the Vikings right here. I could have. But even, even though they lost to the Vikings, you cannot say that that was Dak's fault and that Dak did not play well. Ultimately, the blame of that game comes down to coaching, Ezekiel Elliott, and a tiny bit of the blame goes on the defense as well. For the defense, you got to take Dalvin Cook out of the game completely. You cannot let Kirk Cousins jump the ball off to him, uh, off to him on a good amount of passing plays. And as for Ezekiel Elliott, you you had one of your worst games again at the most inopportune times. He had 35 rushing yards against the Saints, which they lost, 62 yards against the Packers, which they lost, and 47 yards against the Vikings, which they obviously lost. And those 47 yards also came on 20 carries, which is not 
good or impressive at all. And as for Jason Garrett, when it comes down to coaching, well, he's Jason Garrett. So, there's that. I still believe in the Cowboys, but they got to figure themselves out, especially that defense and that running game. They got to figure it out. They got to figure it out now because the Eagles are on their heels and they're hungry. And the Cowboys, if they do make the playoffs, will not have a first-round bye. They will not have a first-round bye. Sorry for that little blip right there. I just had to quickly sneeze, so it should be cut out completely. But continuing on, at number nine, I had the Steelers. Now, admittedly, I did not have a whole lot of faith in the Steelers team when Mason Rudolph stepped in for Big Ben. But the Steelers do have one of the best defenses in the league, second in, second in interceptions and first in fumbles recovered, which adds up to second in total takeaways. And they also have, they're, they're also third in sacks. So their defense is monstrous, while their offense is fairly mediocre. But hey, you know, it's working for them. And all I can say is just imagine if Big Ben was healthy on this team. And number eight, I have the Texans. Now, now they had a bye week. A lot of teams around them in my rankings moved around, but they had no movement. And I think that this bye week could actually help them prepare for the Ravens this weekend, as well as a tough two-game stretch after that against the Colts and the Patriots. And number seven, I have the Kansas City Chiefs. In the last three games that... Patrick Mahomes has completely, fully healthy played, and so that's discounting against the Denver Broncos, even though he did play in that game. He was injured halfway through and replaced by Matt Moore, so I'm talking about games that he was fully in, the last three games, which would be in the the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, and the Tennessee Titans. He's lost all of them. And you know what? Maybe the AFC South just has Patrick Mahomes' number, but although those two... Those first two losses against the Colts and the Texans were on Patrick Mahomes not performing, not performing, so many voice cracks, not performing offensively. This latest loss against the Tennessee Titans is on the defense. You cannot have your team put up 32 points and still lose. You should win that game. You should definitely win that game, especially with a quarterback as talented as Patrick Mahomes. So that one goes on the defense. And number six, I have the Packers. They had a good win over the Panthers, but they have their first real, not their first real test, but one of the real, one of the biggest tests for them in Levi Stadium against the 49ers after this weekend. And number five, I have the Patriots. Now, they did have a bye week this week, but I did drop because of the success of the other teams that are going to be later on in this list. So this bye week, I believe, actually came at the most opportune and probably the best possible time for these Patriots. Their offense finally gets to rest. Brady gets to get back into rhythm and, and essentially reboot his mediocre play because he has not been playing as well as he should be. Even though he's getting up there in age, he has been playing. He has played a lot better, such as last year. Now for the defense of the New England Patriots. They gotta fix some problems that that were exposed against the Ravens and Browns, which was especially their run defense. And as for Bill Belichick in coaching going forward, they gotta they gotta prepare for a tough stretch against the Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, and the Chiefs in the next four weeks. At number four, I have 
the Seattle Seahawks. They just beat the 49ers, who were the only undefeated team in the NFL, and they are no longer. And again, despite a bad interception in overtime, and thanks to a missed kick by Robbie Gold's replacement for the 49ers, Russell Wilson once again puts himself at the top of the MVP list. And at number three, I have the New Orleans Saints. They just got their second loss against the once one and seven Falcons, who are now two and seven. And just like their first loss against the Rams, where they lost 27 to 9, they only put up nine points against the Atlanta Falcons and allowed 26 points, which is just one point shy from compared to their loss against the LA Rams. Now, all I can say about the New Orleans Saints is that this is just a blip, and this is not indicative of the Saints' greatness and how good they are. And they can prove that in these upcoming weeks against the 49ers, as well as their division rivals. Now, for the top two teams, at number two, I have the Ravens, and at number one, I have the 49ers. I was thinking about putting the Ravens at number one, but I want to see them win one more time, and I want to see the 49ers just struggle just a bit more, or even lose the game, just one more time. The Ravens just come up, came off beating the, what, 0-9 now, Bengals, I want to say, with a rookie, Ryan Finley, there, who was thrown into the fire, and the Niners, on the other hand, had opportunities even though, they, even though they lost against the Seahawks, they had opportunities to win despite not having George Kittle, who's essential to their offense, as well as Emmanuel Sanders. So I just want to see the Seahawks, not the Seahawks, the Ravens, win one more time. And the best time to do so would be this weekend against the Texans and the 49ers to struggle a bit more. But ultimately, these two teams' positions can be swapped or altered in any way that you like. Because this is actually a good debate of who should be number one between these two teams. But we really won't know who should be at number one until December 1st when these two teams play against each other. So to just summarize what I got for my top 10 teams in the NFL after week 10 heading into week 11. At number 10, I have the Cowboys. At number 9, I have the Steelers. 8, Texans. 7, Chiefs. 6, Packers. 5 Patriots, 4 Seahawks, 3 Saints, 2 Ravens, 1 49ers. So moving on, now I got my must-watch games for this weekend. Now, let me see if I can put this. I live in Boston, so televised games here may be different from the games where you live. For me, the televised games are going to be Dallas at Detroit, Tech. Uh, Houston at Baltimore, New England at Philadelphia, and then Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football on NBC and ESPN, respectively. So, got me thinking, and I started looking up these different, or the different games for this weekend. So, it got me thinking, what are the must-watch games, high-stake entertaining games, this weekend? And the little twist on it is... Games that are not necessarily televised or broadcasted. So games that you may be able to get locally, but games that may just be worth watching on a non-NFL-affiliated website. 
if you get my drift. So let's start with Dallas and Detroit. This game really is only worth watching if Matt Stafford is playing. Otherwise, I'm staying away from this game, and you should too. Next, I have the Jaguars and Colts. Again, stay away from this game unless you are really, really invested and interested in the Nick Foles storyline, since this would be the first look at Nick Foles since he got injured against the Kansas City Chiefs. The third game, Bills and Dolphins. Yeah, just stay away from this game entirely. Maybe look at the highlights, but yeah, don't subject your eyes to that mess. Next, I have the Broncos and Vikings. And this one is a bit weird. Initially, I would say, no, don't watch this game. It's not going to be entertaining at all. But if it's close in the fourth quarter, which it very well might be with Brandon Allen, if he plays as well as he did against the Cleveland Browns, then yes, for sure, watch the game. But only after the fourth quarter. Next, I have the Saints and Buccaneers. And that's the first game I'm going to say, yes, all eyes should be on that game. We have two high-powered offenses and a Bucks defense that has stopped Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers twice this season, and they could do the exact same thing against Alvin Kamara, putting the ball in the hands of Drew Brees and really seeing what he's got coming off his injury. Next, I have the Jets and Redskins. Again, stay away from this unless you're a Sam Darnold lover or praiser or something like that. Next, I have the Falcons and Panthers, and again, this is one of those games that, that I'm going to say, and maybe. If it's close at halftime, then yeah, sure, go ahead and watch this game. It can be entertaining at halftime, but aside from that, stay away from it. Texans and Ravens, yes. You have, I mean, what what else can I say about this? They have Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson facing off, facing off against each other, two electrifying, energetic quarterbacks. I mean, you gotta watch this game. It's gonna be great. Next, I have the Cardinals and the 49ers. Initially, I thought that this game could be really good, just like their first matchup earlier this season. But then we saw how that turned out. It just looked really bad, and Kyler just was harassed the whole game. So it could be a good game, but no, it won't be. Next, I have the Bengals and Raiders, and no, don't watch this game. The Raiders do have potential of going 6-4 for the first time in forever and potentially even putting their hand in the cookie jar of the AFC West and even grabbing the division title as of right now. But again, these are the Bengals that they're playing against and no one should subject themselves to watching the Bengals. Next, I have the Patriots and Eagles. Again, yes, 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 yes. Watch this game. Entertaining. You have a rematch of the Super Bowl. What could have been Carson Wentz had Nick Foles not stepped in for him. Carson Wentz against Tom Brady. Huge storyline. Should be really, really entertaining, especially with the Patriots coming off a bye week. I'm pretty sure they, yeah, coming off a bye week. Now, Sunday Night Football, Bears and Rams. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of implications for this game, especially dealing with the future. Jared Goff, Sean McVay, are the Rams just a one-time, one-trick pony? Are the Bears really that much in need of a quarterback as of right now? Can Trubisky somehow turn it around late in the season with the Bears at, what, 4-5 and five right now? But is it worth watching? It's Sunday Night Football, only thing really on. 
probably going to watch it anyways, but it's not going to be that entertaining, I believe. Sheeps and Chargers. Now, this one could be, and I would like it to be entertaining, just like last year, around Christmas time in, in December, when it was wildly entertaining with the Chargers coming back. But for this game, you, you have to look at the first quarter score in order to actually have a chance at maybe thinking that it could be interesting or competitive or entertaining, to say the least. So for this weekend, the games that I can just say yes to without having to think about it or check the score on Saints and Buccaneers, Texans and Ravens, Patriots and Eagles. And then for the three games that, you, that I would say definitely check the score of before watching it, Broncos and Vikings, Talking to Panthers, Chiefs, and Chargers. And then the Dallas game against Detroit is in its own category, which you should only watch if Stafford is healthy. And all the other games, such as the Buffalo Bills against the Dolphins, yeah, stay away from those games because they're going to be wildly boring offensively. And really, like, you should only stay, you should only, you should only watch that game at the very, very end if Miami is winning. To see them going on a three-game winning streak, which would be insane to see. So, that'll do it for this episode of The G-Truth. Be sure to give feedback on this episode. I would really, really enjoy it. I know I had several voice cracks. I have no idea why. My nose is stuffed and I just had my sneeze. So, hopefully it didn't really ruin the tempo of it. I know that I've been speaking really, really fast and I should probably slow that down a bit more, make my words a bit more clear, but that's something that I'm going to work on in future episodes, not, not necessarily this episode. So be sure to just give a comment. Comment, feedback, that's all I, that's all I want. So thank you for listening, and peace out.